she's a visitor. And uh, they were traveling together, so, and then Aaron and my father are still out. They're doing their thing, which is awesome, right? And then he comes back this week, and then he leaves again Thursday, and uh, he goes, so he's, in a sense, gone for a month of weekends, but he's here sometimes in the week. I'm still, can you turn me a little down? Thanks. So, today is the last time we'll be meeting here. Um, for the summer, and so the best way to say it is that school's out for summer, because we're in a school, and uh, that's great. Thanks, Alice. Someone thought my joke was funny. But um, I want to say some things very, very quickly, and I want to talk to you this morning about perspective. As you can see, we're foregoing announcements and including all the things we normally try to include. We're going to go in a very short amount of time and have ice cream with another church, have some fellowship with another church, which excites me greatly. And I think that there's not ice cream, for those who misunderstood that. Um, but, but I think there's a perspective that we can have on what's happening this summer that, you know, perspective is extremely powerful. And one of the greatest ways I've discovered in my own life is one of the things that helps me with self-control, either of my emotions, not necessarily of things that are out of my control like situations, but self-control is simply perspective. It's just perspective. My uncle, who's a very wise man, he leads a large church in South Africa, and he's preached here. He's, he's just a, uh, he's one of my heroes. I love him. He, I was in a relationship as a teenager, and we would fight a lot. And he said to me, you know, he said, Clay, I can help you. <laughs> so I said, I'm sure you can. He said, anytime you're going to fight with a, a person in a relationship with you, whether it's your family, friendship, anything, any relationship, he said, five minutes before you go into the just, sorry, take five minutes before you go into that discussion and sit down for five minutes and think about it from their point of view for about five to ten minutes. He said, it doesn't sound like long, it's long. He says, that gives you a perspective. If each one of you do that before you come together, you'll find you have a lot less to talk about. Because it's a perspective. It changes the way you see certain situations. So, I want to talk about perspective this morning. And just the perspective of us going to Evergreen, being part of, in a sense, using another church's building for the summer, and how do we think about that? Now, we've spoken about it here before, but I think it's a privilege. I think it's a gift. I really do for the summer. I'm very excited about it. But um, there's a perspective that God has on things that we don't necessarily have all the time. So 2 Corinthians 4 says this, just as a quick context, and we're going to have a hard stop at uh, 10... 15, so we have, they start there at 11.15, sorry, we can't, otherwise we're going to be here for a long time. Um, it says here, 10, 2 Corinthians verse 18, it says, while we do not, 4 verses 18, it says, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but things which are not seen. That's a big sentence, I cannot speak about it now. That right there determines belief itself. We do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Simply to say that there is heaven's perspective on every situation, and we often don't have it. Because when, when we are at the center of our world, it's impossible to have heaven's perspective of life, of situations. And so when things happen, I always say, God, what is your perspective on this situation? So I've been saying, God, do you have a heavenly perspective on this situation of us going to this church for the summer and then we're looking at the future? And I'm always trying to get his perspective on it because it wasn't my first decision. It wasn't my first choice, I'm being honest. I'm excited about it now, but I had to see it from his perspective. 
and, uh, and then we have to also look at their perspective and our perspective because that colors what we do, yeah? So, his perspective, I look at this from his perspective very quickly that he sees it as his family coming together because we're going to be meeting with some people very briefly that we don't know but yet they're in our family. Body of Christ. And so he sees it as his family coming together. Not like this. Now I've got a really cool image to show you. If we can throw it up. If we've seen that before. That's our get along shirt. You can see they're crying. They're not happy. That's dad's shirt. They're both stuck in there till they get along. I think sometimes we should do that with our boys. But, but that's not what's happening. Uh, just being real, I think that's sometimes necessary. What if you can go to Psalm 133? Because that is not what's happening, and this has not been a friction-born process. Honestly, it's been uh, Chip, the pastor there, and I, and, and I met with his board, and he met with our leadership team. We had a leadership meeting at the facility on Wednesday night. We got to pray through the place. He came and met with us. And it's just been, it's like we've been stumbling over one another to honor, to over-honor each other. And it's just been such a refreshing experience, honestly. And uh, he came and spoke to us on, uh, on Wednesday, and straight away his heart for the city and heart for us and heart for the kingdom just flows out of him. And it was just wonderful to see. But I wonder if you can go to Psalm 133. While you go there, I'm going to go somewhere else. And that wasn't to trick you. I just forgot, to be honest. So I'm going to go to 2 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 12. Where am I? This way. 1 Corinthians 12, I just want to read something to you and not necessarily preach on it. Something we know. It says here, talking about the body of Christ. For as the body is one, that's our body, physical, and has many members, fingers, feet, so forth, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. This is 1 Corinthians 12. Oh, not bad. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks. Jews and Greeks were the issues they had there. We could say whether Methodists, Presbyterians, Evangelicals, non-denominate, doesn't matter. One body. Whether slaves or free, have all been made to drink into one spirit, for in fact the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not the body, is it therefore not the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole body, if, if the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? And this is for me the main verse. But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. I circled in there, he has set the members, not us. And I do believe that there are differences in local churches, absolutely. We're not going there to become like them, and they're not going to become like us. But we are one body. And that's a fact. And God will establish different strengths in different bodies, but all one body. And the greater, the kingdom is far even greater than the church. The church will end. The kingdom never ends. When he comes back, he comes to rule a kingdom, not a church. Church is just his bride. I've always said Project Earth is the, is the season of time that when two people get engaged, for us it was very fast because I was impatient. But when we got engaged, it was like a five, six-month process from engagement to marriage. Project Earth, that's it, friends. It's a bride for a son. That's it. You think of a span of your life, and we get so wrapped up in everything, 
It's about a bride marrying a son, and that wraps it up. That's the kingdom. That's far bigger than the church. So, just to give you some perspective, and if they, are, if they were all one member, where would the body be? Right? Let's go to Psalm 133. Because this is from his perspective. He sees his children coming together. All of you who are parents know what that's like when your children get along. Right? It's pleasant. It's quiet. There's peace in the house. It's wonderful. Psalm 133. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron. There's so much I could preach out of this. I've preached out of it before, but not today. I'm behaving myself. Running down on the edge of his garments, it is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. He actually ordained the blessing. He gave his authority for the blessing of all the things that Jesus died for. That's actually a reference to Ephesians 1. For all the things Jesus died for, every heavenly blessing is in, all blessings are in heavenly places. That's the blessing it's talking about. But it's interesting that it says for, to dwell together. That's not to visit. It's easy to visit. To dwell with, it's one of the greatest transformations I see in young people is when they move in for the first time with another person. They rent an apartment with a friend or something. And I think you're about to learn what it is to dwell with someone. <laughs> and there's a great level of maturity that's going to take place. And then, you, you know, you don't even have a covenant. Then you're going to get married. Then you're going to learn another whole level of dwelling. And that's dwell. Not visit, dwell. Live with. And then he said, it's like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. What is oil? Anointing, the Holy Spirit, the anointing. The picture there is actually garments are, it's actually your identity. I'm not just saying that because we're doing a series on identity, but the garments, it, people were, what's the word I'm looking for? determined who they were, identified, identity, identified, thanks wife. People were identified by the garments they wore. In the Old Testament it says they wore warrior's garments, so it says they wore worshipper's garments. There was a priestly garment, there was a kingly garment. There's a prevailing language of garments all through the Bible that we don't have time to get into now. But the picture there is there's so much oil from the head, the head is Christ. It says running down from the head upon the beard. The head is Christ, we are his body, we just read that. There's so much anointing running down that it saturates this garment so that, you know, oil is not like water. It doesn't happen quickly. It gets sticky, right? That is so much that it saturates the garment that it's dripping off the edges. That's the picture. And your identity can be saturated with the anointing of God where there's unity. Not before. Just throw that out there. It's a powerful statement, a powerful picture that this is making. Is the way people identify your identity, your garment. Now it says a priestly garment here because that's Aaron. Why? Because we're all a priesthood of believers. It's just, it's saying this is the picture for the new, this is what unity can look like. That the anointing of God can saturate you to the point where it overflows for others around you. That comes with unity. Amen? So, then it talks about the Jew of Hermon, which was very simply a mountain to the north of Israel. There was so much moisture and rain and dew and just water on that mountain that it would flow in and water the entire region. That's blessed 
to be a blessing. That's what it actually means. So, that's God's perspective. God sees a city church. We are blessed to be a part of what he's doing, I believe. And many others will look in and we're going to talk about that. As far as our perspective is concerned, I don't necessarily want to talk about that so much this morning. For me, I just see open doors. I see opportunities. That's not just because I'm a positive person, but it's because I've taken the time to say, God, what is your perspective? Because I had to make some adjustments in my own heart. But I see open doors, opportunities. I think new ventures always means new people. I wrote you, it gives a taste of what we're trusting for in the future. You're going to taste what it's like to have our own We also get the privilege of building a relationship with the church. That is, when we do build in our land one day, we're going to get privilege now to build a relationship with the church that is across every barrier and border that church has tried to put up that is geographically going to be across the road. So as the town and stuff continues to move out there, there's a relationship, there's an, there's an interconnectivity that establishes kingdom in that area. Because God sees a city church. He sees us, he knows us, but he sees a city, church of Leesburg, church of Atlanta. He sees a city church. That's what I see in the Bible. So he sees people coming together. So from our perspective, there's many great things. It's going to be like a rest for some of the service teams. And there's many things we could draw pros and cons, but that's us at the center. We will talk about that. But I just feel, my wife and I were praying last night, and we just, we feel like there's a window opportunity for us for the summer. And we're saying, God, let us steward over this window and this opportunity wisely. Because there's certain things that we can focus on. There's certain things that we can do. That's our perspective, but we can get into that. What about their perspective? That's really what I want to talk to you about this morning. In 13 minutes. I will. I don't want to be late. What about their perspective? Friends, did it ever... Have you considered that there may be some people in their church that are not so happy about this process? I mean... Odessa's like, no, everyone loves us. <laughs> That's awesome, Odessa, I love you. I'm just saying, I'm not saying, we haven't experienced that. It's been amazing. They have, it is costing them money for us to go there. You know that? They're not charging us any rent. That's a king, none. And not only that, when we're there, we're using their water, their lights, their sound system, their toilets, their... And they're charging us. So in other words, they're charging us nothing. So it's costing them for us to be there. And they don't even know us. That's a kingdom heart, if I've ever seen one. So we simply want to go in and we want to be a blessing to them. We really, really do. I, uh, we're guests in their house. It's their house. We're guests. They've opened their hearts, their arms their reputation, their house, to us. And so when we go in, we've been, we had a pre-meeting last week about this, and uh, just such a presence of God as we started to pray for them, because we want to leave there, when we do leave, we want them to feel, man, that was a blessing. It wasn't a task, it was a blessing. And there's something different that every church carries. Every church carries a lamp. Every church carries different things, and we know that. We can teach on that another time. But we carry something of the Spirit. That's who we are. It's from the very foundation of this church. Spirit-led, Spirit-born people, Spirit-wired, Spirit-thinkers. 
That's who we are. I'm not saying they don't. I don't know. But I do know this, that we've, been, we've had many victories even in this room. I look at Sarah DeBlanc. Sorry, Sarah. I met her when she was three or four or five. She was the A high. Well, maybe not that high. That's like 18 months old. <laughs> but, but I met her, and she comes to our house, and I was saying, she hangs out with some of the young people at our house, and I was saying to her, you know, her whole life has been this church. Think about it. She has been formed and fashioned here. And it's been a delight to see. So much so that the guy who invited her to prom did so on our doorstep, which was very interesting. But, um, but sorry, Sarah embarrassed her. But there's something of a history that we have. Some good times, some tough times, some hard, some easy, some wealthy, some poor. There's ebbs and flows. All of that for me is saying, God, we have a history. And our history is with you, your presence and your spirit. And there's more we long for, for God to move mightily, change the nation, change the city, for healing to break out, physical and emotional healing. These, these things that we long for, we've seen moments. What if we go there and God pours out on them on everything that we've longed for? I say, hallelujah. I say, awesome. There's a story that my dad once told me, then I went and discovered it and read about it. One of his personal heroes is a guy called Andrew Murray, who changed the nation of South Africa in the early 1900s. And Andrew was actually Andrew Murray Jr. And Andrew Murray, a lot like my dad, was passionate about revival and longed for revival, prayed, sought the Lord, fasted for 20, 30, 40 years, whatever it was. And then his son took over and Andrew Murray Jr was in a church, and unfortunately, because of the segregation in those days, you had to have a white church and a black church. I cannot even be PC and say African-Americans because it's Africa. So no American, they're black and white. So, and so they were segregated, and the power of God, they were in the meeting, and the power of God descended upon this church. They were met at the same time. So one of these leaders ran over to Andrew Murray, Jr., and said, Sir, please come and help us. We don't know what's going on. Because the power of God descended. You know, when that really happens, crazy things take place. People are stuck to the wall and the floor and crazy things. So crazy stuff is as true story. So they ran over. He runs back, says, Imagine, sorry church, goodbye. He runs back and they all wait. And he stands up there with a good heart to try and bring some not control, we have to put some boundaries. And God spoke audibly in his head. He said, don't touch this. This is what your father was longing for. And from that, the power of God broke out. All I'm saying is, we go in with a history. We get to worship there on a Saturday night before they meet. I'm just saying, God, pour that out into their hearts, into their families, into their finances. May we be a blessing with what we carry, not forcibly, not doctrinal discussions. Please don't get debates. I'm, I'm, please, please don't. I'm, I'm serious. Don't. Won't help. Love them. Thank them. We go in with humble hearts, grateful hearts. They have opened everything. And so we go in with saying thank you. But our heart is to say, when people defected to David from Saul, they came to him and these were their words, success, success to you. We go in with that heart. So we want to be a blessing. 
We really want to be a blessing. We've called a cleaning crew to come in and do all of that. Why, friends? The world is watching. We don't do it for this. The number one reason why the world dislikes Christianity or cannot have an ear for the gospel is because of the way Christians treat each other. Right? And claim to worship the same God. Well, if I was in the world, I'd be like, you claim to worship the same God, but you all believe different things. Just think about it from an agnostic point of view. It makes no sense. And so here we get to go in. Jesus actually said this. He says, a new commandment, John 13, 34, uh, Bex, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. There's a challenge. That you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. By this. If you have ever asked for divine strategy, by this. This is the number one factor that the world will look at people of God and say, you have something I don't have. There's a, God is alive because of the way you treat one another. Just consider that. So when we go in, in now six minutes, if I'm seeing correctly, when we leave here, we go in with a heart of love, humble hearts, grateful hearts. It was their idea to host this ice cream thing. I'm going to get him to come preach. Disagreement or not disagreement, it's an honor issue. Yeah? So I'm excited because we get to demonstrate something. I actually feel yesterday as I started to think about this and prepare this and just, Lord, how do I paint this with the right perspective, with your perspective? I almost feel privileged that we would get asked to do this task because the other churches are watching. The world is watching. How is this going to go down? This can be a testimony. If we go with the right lenses. We're not there to change them. We're not the Holy Spirit. We're not there to fix them. And they're not there to fix us. And if they try, bless them. I, I mean that. There's, no, there's been so... It's been so smooth. It really, it really has been amazingly... It's just been wonderful. And so I'm just... We go in with that heart. To be a blessing. I'm literally, every time I'm there, I'm looking, how can we bless these people? Because they've already overabundantly blessed us. Where's Richard? Is Richard here? Can we pause? Richard, could you stand up one second? I know he does not like to be the center of attention. We want to thank this man. This man, yeah, why don't we give him a hand? I know you don't like it, Richard. <laughs> I know he doesn't like the tension. Whoa, whoa, whoa sorry. Stay, stay standing, Richard. Richard, we want to honor you. You have, uh, I know we're leaving for the summer. I know we'll see you again. But this man, and I know it's a, it's a job, but the way he's done it for years, the faithfulness, the honor, the integrity, I'm sure there's times that you picked up after all of our mess and you probably wanted to hurt us sometimes in your heart and you've just been so gracious. We just want to thank you, we really do, and uh, we want to honor you, and we pray that it goes well with you, and uh, we just want to thank you. So, I want to give him one more hand. Thank you so much. <laughs> Richard, Richard, for those who don't know, is the custodian here. He handles all of our issues, so, and he's just done it with such grace so, for years. So, thank you, Richard. But simply, friends, we have to get going, but, and I have to talk about some practical things. I wanted to leave three minutes to do that. So can we go in with that heart? Yeah? All right. Practicals. When you get there, 
We're going to speak about this in the future. The service is going to start at 5 next week, Saturday. That's when we start. They will hold the parking for 15 minutes. There's a sports facility across the road. We have 15 minutes to arrive. I'm excited. Alice is excited because she has a passion about people being punctual. <laughs> and let me and look at her. Yay. Let me just say, friends, that's an issue we need to sort out. I don't want to get into that now, but we need to deal with that. Be on time. So anyway, you can come later but you will park far away because they're going to hold parking spaces for us because they own the parking lot. They're going to hold it. 15 minutes after service starts, they have to open it up for the sports facility. So it's going to fill up fast. So I'll just say that. I'm excited about that. <laughs> uh, children, Kerry Cressy's going to be in the, auditor in the auditorium. It's not called that. What is it? In the building. Not in the sanctuary. In the building around, you'll see that's very obvious. You go in, go right. And uh, you can go in, and Kerry Cressy will be there from 12 to 12.15. So please, when we get there, don't just, just greet the people, have ice cream. But if you're parents and you want to go see where your kids are going and what's going to happen and what classrooms, uh, we're going to put up banners and stuff. It's going to look different next week. We're going to make it look a little bit like us. Um, but if you want to go in and look, and just like any parent would, she will be there from 12 to 12.15. She has met with their children's church director many times. She's been to the facility. She will answer any of your questions. And I think it's right to have that. But please be in there from 12 to 12.15. You, you may go in there at other times. They've opened one of uh, the pastor their chip. Uh, he said the reason he wants to do this is because he doesn't want everyone arriving the first week we have service being so distracted with the facility they forget to worship the Lord. That's the kind of heart. So he said, I just want to open the facility so you guys can come have a look. So it's not this, the next week. So we've already been there. I just love that heart. So that's why we're going as well. So children, please be aware that Kerry will show you if you want to know doors that go, like school doors, the thing push, you know, in the middle, like at the back of the auditorium here. Some of them to the, most of them actually to that facility, except for the main ones where the children are, you can, they open to exit, but they lock when they close. So if they do that so that not everyone can just come in where the children are, which is actually smart, but they're open. So if the children run out and then turn around and try to go back in, now we're going to point all of that out, but that's normal procedure. I'm just letting you know. Ask Carrie. She will explain it all. The sports facility opposite the church is another entity. Having access to the church doesn't give us access to that. So just be respectful. Don't go run around crazy on the field because, well, we have access to the church. The guy that leads that sports facility got saved because of this guy, this man. So they have a partnership, but they are separate. The great thing is the guy that, the, one of the guys that runs the coffee and stuff there, there's when, often when we get out, there's going to be right across the way, right across the parking lot, he serves fries and coffee and there's tables and chairs, so we'll have access to that if you so choose it. So, and you'll probably see that open today. So, and also, just lastly, respect their house. Please don't bring food and drink and stuff into the sanctuary. They don't necessarily allow it. I texted him yesterday. How do you want to handle that? He said, water bottles, no problem. He said, but food and tea and coffee, we don't want to do that. He said, however, I've told the welcome team or whatever they call them, I don't know. Um, he said that they're not bouncers. So if visitors bring Starbucks, I've told them, let them in, don't say a word. And that's just an inclusive heart. But um, for us, can we just, just respect the house, their house? We do have a cleaning crew that's going to come in. But, um, yeah. but I'm excited. And let's go.
Bless you. Let's go. I'll see you there.